occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome back to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 31. I'm Abby. I'm Kate. We'll be your ghostesses on this day. Fine day. It's an alright day, I wouldn't say fine. Cruddy day. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the toxic woman. <laughs> Not that toxic woman. <laughs> I'm talking about astral projection. Nice, nice. Yeah. I'm excited to hear about that. I do know a small amount about it, but I'm excited to, to get into it. Yeah. But first me. <laughs> but more importantly, not Kate. Have you heard about this case before? No, I haven't. I actually wrote down a Britney Spears joke. I wrote, today I'm talking about the mysterious case of the toxic woman. Not that toxic woman. I hate you. I hate you so much. You knew I was going to do it. My sources are Hectoan International Medical Journal, AmusingPlanet.org, Wikipedia, DiscoverMagazine.com and AllThat'sInteresting.com. So this is a medical case. Oh, very mysterious medical case. It's exciting. The toxic woman was actually called Gloria Ramirez, and at 8.15 on the 19th of February, 1994, she was rushed to hospital because she was having severe heart palpitations. She was taken to a trauma room where she lay awake and responded to the questions asked, but she did so in short, shallow breaths. Her heart was extremely quickly beating, and her blood pressure was plummeting, and she was extremely confused. Understandably. During this time... She was with a respiratory therapist who was incredibly shocked to see Gloria in this way because this type of problem is usually seen in old people and Gloria was only 31 at the time. She was also suffering from cervical cancer as a side note, but she was not receiving any chemotherapy. Right. Which will be important later. Okay. The staff at Riverside General Hospital forced air into her lungs and they injected Gloria with a variety of medication an attempt to calm her down, calm her heartbeat, and sedate her. And this was standard protocol for her condition, so nothing strange. Mm -hmm. However, it became increasingly clear that the treatment was not working, and the staff attempted to defibrillate... I can never say this word. Defibrillate. 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 Why are you in charge of a podcast? Her heart with electricity... I can never say it. I knew I was going to stumble on it and I was looking at the word and I was like, here it comes. <laughs> so <Yeah>. anyway, <laughs> they stripped off her shirt and placed the padded electrodes against their chest. And it was at this point that several people saw an oily sheen covering Gloria's body and some noticed a fruity garlicky odour coming from her mouth. As they were treating Gloria, Susan Kane, who was a nurse at the time, began to draw some blood from her, her arm and as she did, she noticed a strange, strong ammonia smell coming from the tube. Ooh, <coughs> weird. Uh-huh. So she handed the tube to a woman called Julie, who was a medical resident. And as she leaned closer to Gloria to try and trace the source of the smell. And sometimes when a patient's undergoing chemotherapy, their blood can smell like chemicals. Right. But apparently this was nothing like that. It was distinctly ammonia. And also, as I mentioned, she wasn't getting any chemotherapy. Yeah. So there was no real we reason why her blood would smell funky. I hate the word choice that you have. 
Why? Funky? Funky. How old are you? Stanky. You sound like my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to end your life there. Sorry, you really offended me with that one. (laughs) I'm joking. Anyway. When Julie took the blood sample, she noticed when she when she sort of span the blood around the vial, that straw-coloured particles... Sorry, when she what? Swirled it around. Span it around? Yeah, just shook it crazy. <laughs> she was shaking it up like, like a cocktail. Like she's making a cocktail. <laughs> oh my God. No, she was swirling it around the vial. What, to see like, <clears throat> like a wine? <laughs> see how strong it was? To take a look at it. I'm not a doctor. Right. Yeah, to test the uh, potency. <laughs> Anyway, she was doing that and she noticed that there were straw-coloured particles clearly floating around in it. And this observation was also echoed by a doctor in charge of the emergency room. So, a bit weird. Something's in your blood. Well, yeah, I mean, it could have been or it could have been like something in the vial, you know. It might not have been as sterile as they thought it was. In a hospital? Yeah, but mistakes happen, don't they? It's a factory mistake. It could just occur. Some bits of whatever in there suddenly susan the nurse became limp and she fell to the ground she complained that her face was burning and then she fainted she was then put on a gurney and she was taken into a different trauma room and then julie began feeling queasy and lightheaded my god it's all happening here and she left the room to sit at the nurse's desk and as she got there a member of staff asked if she was feeling okay and before she could answer she also fell to the floor and she was convulsing and lapsing in and out of apnea. A few minutes later, Maureen, the respiratory therapist, said that she couldn't control her limbs, and then she also fainted. After this, several other members of staff began feeling sick and lightheaded, so the emergency room was immediately evacuated, and they all had to go to the car park. This sounds like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Apparently it is. Well, I said to your dad... It's what? (laughs) I don't know. I don't really watch it that properly. Dismissing that I always watch it with you. Yeah, right. Your dad asked me what I was doing today, and I told him it was a woman who... I briefly explained the case, and Uh he was like, that happened in Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, ah, interesting. But I also couldn't find anything on it, so I don't know whether he just made that up. Oh, probably. If you watch Grey's Anatomy... (laughs) Let us know. I watch Grey's Anatomy, so I will let you know in a few years when I've finally caught up. Yeah. What are you on now? How many seasons are there? There are 16. I'm on 13, so getting there. Anyway, back to the real medical story. Uh So they're all in the car park at this point, and a skeleton crew was ordered to stay behind to attempt to save Gloria's life because her blood pressure was continuing to drop and her pulse was getting weaker. The skeleton crew struggled to save Gloria, and she was pronounced dead at 8.50pm around 45 minutes after she'd been brought in. Her body was moved to an isolation room by two nurses. The staff in the car park were treating patients that have come in for emergencies, and they feared that Gloria's body had released a toxic chemical, so they all had to strip down to their underwear and put their clothes into plastic bags while continuing to treat their patients. Oh my God. Susan's limbs continued to flail as her face burned, Julie continued to experience apnea and an additional nurse named Sally, who, one of the two who brought Gloria into an isolation room, she, her skin began burning and she started vomiting. Oh my God. And she also got so bad that she had to go onto a gurney as well. In fact, 23 of 37 emergency room staff experienced at least one strange symptom and five were hospitalized that night. Oh my God. Sally was hospitalized for 10 days 
and she experienced apnea throughout, but Julie was the most severely ill and she spent two weeks in intensive care and suffered apnea, hepatitis, pancreatitis and a vascular necrosis. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so she was on, on crutches for months after that and clinical toxologists said that it takes a super potent to- token. Toxin. Toxin to cause something like that. Which is very strange, considering the circumstances. Gloria's death was written as kidney failure from a cancer, but this is obviously incredibly baffling. And autopsy reports were inconclusive also. And later on that day, a hazmat team came in to make sure the emergency room wasn't harbouring any toxic chemicals and there was nothing weird going on. And they also surveyed the staff that suffered, suffered with the symptoms. And they discovered that out of all the people who developed serious symptoms... They all worked within two feet of Gloria and the women were affected way worse than the men. But ultimately they found nothing and they decided that it was an outbreak of mass hysteria. My God. This obviously angered the staff on duty because they said that it was an insult to their professionalism and that Gloria was no doubt the cause of the toxins. What is strange though is that none of the paramedics who brought Gloria into the hospital had any symptoms. So it could have all just been one person had an issue and then everybody else, it kind of set everybody off if it was hysteria. Mm -hmm. So after this, the doctors started to push for further investigation from the Livermore National Laboratory. Since they dealt with like gruesome occurrences on a daily basis, it was rather unlikely that it would be mass hysteria from someone with heart palpitations. Yeah. Are you ready to talk about some science? Hell Yeah. So Livermore came up with this theory. So they were like, I'm going to talk basic science. Uh There's this thing called DMSO. And it's a powerful solvent used for a bunch of stuff from paint stripping to easing muscle aches Mm -hmm. in like a gel form. You can buy it as as a gel. And users of the gel often report garlicky tastes in their mouths. And DMSO is relatively harmless, but it's only one oxygen atom short of being DMSO2. And that turns... Dimethyl sulfoxide into dimethyl sulfone. And when the scientists studied this compound, they realized that when it cooled to the temperature of the emergency room, it produced crystals. Right. Which could have been what was in her blood. Oh, yeah, because there were the straw things in there, right? Yeah. And DMSO2 was also harmless, but. Oh, God. <laughs> it's only two more oxygen atoms short of being DMSO4. Oh, stop it. Which is a vicious substance that can lead to convulsions, necrosis, delirium, kidney failure, and death. Right. Interesting. But how would it have gone from DMSO so, to it's that? It's pretty unlikely, <laughs> yeah. but Gloria was receiving pure oxygen while she was in the ambulance, which means that if she was using DMSO as a gel, it could have easily pushed to DMSO2. But it's not that easy to get it from two to four, though mm. it is debatable that the electric shocks could have con- like triggered the conversion. Oh, and acted like a sort of catalyst. Yeah, it's entirely theoretical, but maybe. I mean... And that caused the crystals, the garlicky smell, and the, the sheen was from the DMSO, and then... Yeah. Would she have been... Wasn't, it, wasn't the sheen all over her body, though? It was definitely on her chest. Because that's where they took they took her shirt off to right. give her defibrillation. Defibrillation. <laughs> yeah, Stop that. it. My God. I I mean, you've definitely told me crazier things. 
Yeah. So it could be a fairly believable theory, but when they asked Gloria's family, they said that she didn't even take DMSO. So well, yeah, but I just I told mean, you some signs for no reason, really. She might have used the gel. You know, because yeah. that's not so much like taking something. It's like I use ibuprofen gel when I have a sore neck. Maybe she was doing the same. Yeah, well, there's a couple other theories that were brought forward and one suggested that Gloria was using methamphetamines because that can cause ammonia smell, but they didn't actually find anything in her blood, so it's unlikely. Yeah. And then two months later, after Gloria died, they finally laid her to rest because they've been doing tests for so long that she basically just was decomposing and they couldn't do anything else. Her heart was missing. It was my God, just awful. And the coroner's office went with Lamore's DMSO conclusion as the cause of the symptoms, but her family just disagreed with it the whole time. But they couldn't do any more tests. Like, what else could it have been, though? Yeah, exactly. Well, I was thinking, like, it's possible it was DMSO because she was suffering from cancer, so it's possible she had muscle pain and was using it as, like, relief and just wasn't telling her family for personal reasons or because she didn't want them to worry or... Yeah, definitely. You know, just something like that. And then it created this crazy sort of... Spiral. Yeah, in like the 30 minutes or whatever. But still, would she not have told the paramedics because they ask like what medication you take? Presuming she was able to talk when she got there and that's how they knew like her name, right? Yeah, well, she it said that she was able to answer questions, but she was obviously very short of breath and struggling a bit. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that would have that kind of question would have cropped up, though, I guess. Would you have thought about it? You know, it's like, would I tell an emergency crew that I'd used Vicks to, like, clear my sinuses? Yeah, I guess if it's something that you're just using topically, like, to relieve a bit of pain. Mm. Like, if you're taking paracetamol, you know, every time you get a headache, not, like, every day, would you think about mentioning it? You know what I mean? Yeah, or, like, if you took, like, a CBD gummy. Not that that would make any difference, but, like, it's kind of that sporadic kind of use. Yeah, if I went to a hospital and they were like, what medications are you on? Would I be like... Yesterday I took ibuprofen, <laughs> you yeah. know. You know, I don't know the circumstances, so it's possible that she just didn't feel well, so she might not know what was in it. Yeah. And I guess if it is harmless, what are the chances that it would become? But still, it is quite a, a long way away from DMSO4. Yeah, it's a bit of a reach. Yeah. That's what the theories were saying, that it it could easily have, you know, become DMSO2. But going from 2 to 4... Is quite a big stretch, especially, you know, since we have no proof that the electricity could have caused that. But I don't know. What do you think? I just don't know. Like, I'm not... Because it does seem like a bit of a reach There was DMSO4, really. Fair. You got any other ideas there? Like, I can't think of anything else that it would be. I don't know. All the medications they put in her body were standard protocol. It wasn't like they were experimenting and created some kind of crazy gas, you know what I mean? Like, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, and it would be weird that, like, the people working on her weren't affected, like, immediately or whatever. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. If it if it was the electricity that kind of triggered it, it would make sense as to why all of the events happened right after that and the ambulance crew weren't affected. I just don't know. I just don't know. 
That's so weird. I mean, I can't really think of anything like more sinister, you know. I, can't. I don't think it's anything creepy. I just thought it was quite interesting. Obviously, it's more of a, a medical case than a scary case, but it's because I didn't do the scare scale for this because there's no real point. But it is quite interesting. I thought you might find it fascinating. It is. Yeah. I and just confusing. Tried, I tried like just looking up. That's why I was on my phone. I wasn't just completely ignoring this Wonder entire why podcast. You look boring. God, <laughs> oh, talk about ghosts. For God's God, sake. let me talk now. No. Because um, I was looking up to see if any sort of other poisoning or something fit the bill, you know. Oh, I did. I did try to research. I wanted to have a bunch of, you know, where I usually have like different ideas yeah. to choose from, but I just couldn't. Everyone was just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's either this or it's something else. And I'm not, you know, I don't know enough science stuff to kind of create my own theory. Me neither, man. Me neither. I mean, perhaps it was something to do with like the room. Perhaps. They had the hazmat team come and have a look, though. Oh, true. Because that's the only other thing that I could think of, because obviously she wasn't even that bad when she got there. Yeah, she, she was still just... answer questions. And then she literally died. Yeah, quite shortly afterwards. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could be my hysteria, but I just don't know how that would be in for a team of doctors and nurses in a hospital. Yeah, I think if it was like a team of interns, maybe I could get on board with it. You know, just because they haven't been around it all for as long as, like, residents, for example, um, or attendings. But, like, I don't know. That's so weird. Yeah, well, there you have it. Yeah. No conclusion. No, none at all. Enjoy. <laughs> if you have any ideas, please let us know if you're a science person. If you're more of a science person than I am, then... You should do that. It's not hard to be more of a science person than I am. <laughs> I mean, me neither. Mine's a social science. So. <laughs> I studied film. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely let us know. And um, if you also have any terrifying tales, haunted happenings or spooky stories, you should let us know about those as well. Murder at gmail.com. Awesome. And if you could follow us on social media, that would be great. At Pod on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you have any spur cash, please consider donating to our Patreon. Mating to our Patreon. Mating our Patreon. Just really, <laughs> just really shush. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead. We've got things on there like extra stories and little behind the scenes stuff and just nice, nice things that you might want to be a part of. Woo, nice things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you want to tell me your story? Yeah. Wait, before I do, I've thought of something. With your case. Go so, on. <clears throat> what if... So you said that her heart wasn't even in her body by the end of it because they were just awful at, at looking after her body, I guess. Yeah. So what if it was a cover-up? Okay. <laughs> right. I'm going more sort of conspiracy into it. But what if there had been, you know, what if the uh, defibrillator paddles or whatever hadn't been properly cleaned or, like, what they used, like, the needles, what if it wasn't, like, a fresh needle or something? What if someone had fucked up along the way and then they were like, oh, shit, we've just given this woman something, like, she's going to die. So then they started acting up so that it looked like she came in with the problem. 
Maybe that's why her family was like, no, it wasn't this. We want you to find out what it is. Because they knew that it wasn't that. But it was just a cover-up. It's possible. So basically you think that they had faulty equipment, they covered it up, they faked illness, and also the vial was dirty. Well, no, I just, those are those are some examples that it could have been. Because where was it again? California, I believe. Right. I didn't write that down. <laughs> I wrote the name of the hospital. I believe it's California, though. I think that's the hospital where it was. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's horrible to say it, but it is a possible alternative that there was just some form of misconduct. And they thought, actually, we're going to save our asses, you know? Yeah, it was uh, California. Why does it matter whether... Because I was going to say, if it was like a tiny place and a tiny hospital, maybe they weren't trained enough or maybe, you know, whatever. It was just kind of like an accident or something. Small town, small hospital. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, maybe it was that. It could have been. I mean, never say never. Never. You came up with the theory just then. (laughs) Well, you agreed. So now I don't think it's true. (laughs) I don't agree. I'm open to it. All right. I'm going to move on now. If I think of anything else, then I'll just add it on the social medias. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to be telling you about astral projection. My sources are Wikipedia, Gaia.com, WikiHow, again, ErinPavlina.com, Exemplar.com, BackpackVerse.com, and LucidDreamSociety.com. Did you WikiHow how to astral project? Was there clip art? There was. I watched a few videos when I was younger because I really wanted to do it because I can sort of lucid dream and I went through a phase where I was learning how to properly lucid dream and I was like it would be so cool to do this and then I watched a video on how to do it and I started doing it and then I was like actually I'm too scared to try this so I never tried it again. Well for those of you who have no idea what Abby was just saying let me explain it all. Okay So I feel like astral projection isn't really talked about a lot. True, yeah. Uh, It's not really. I think unless you're kind of into sort of more occult, more spiritual things, you probably wouldn't have heard of it. So I'm guessing most of the listeners will not know what it is. So astral projection is a type of -of out-of-body experience, but it's sometimes brought on purposefully. Like sometimes it happens just randomly, but you can sort of train yourself into it to do it yeah so normally if you think about an out-of-body experience you probably imagine like a near-death experience like bright light floating body probably due to you being in like a life or death situation but astral projection is similar to that but as i said some people practice it so that they can go into a state of astral projection and astrally travel when they choose it's pretty cool (laughs) you probably know more about astral projection than you think It's basically the entire plot of the film Insidious. Quick rundown. A boy's astral body gets caught in a demonic world known as the Further, and his dad tries and gets him. Oh yeah, forgot about that movie. That's the one with uh, Darth Maul. (laughs) The scary red man, yeah. (laughs) He's only scary for the first, like, half hour. And then they show him sewing and it's not scary anymore. Finally, a film we have seen... I'm going to start watching all the movies we talk about also. Mm -hmm. Equally, Doctor Strange seems to use a form of astral travel. Eleven, the little girl in Stranger Things, uses astral projection to locate and spy on others. 
pretty big thing. It's been in like TV shows, so Charmed, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Fringe, loads more. So you probably do know what it is. I imagine that you've seen one or more of those those things that I've mentioned. So it's just that, really. Especially if you listen to the podcast. I can't imagine you haven't seen at least one of those. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So obviously there's some idea of body and soul being separate here, but it isn't inherently religious. Sometimes people report it with regards to dreams or others' meditation. It's just the idea of your consciousness being away from your physical body. It's the idea of body and soul being separate. This has literally been going on for centuries um, and through so many religions that it's not specific to anything, really. There's also something similar known as soul travel. Sometimes it's used interchangeably to astral travel. However, the idea of soul travel is more a person's soul going on a journey to be closer to the image of a chosen god or something. So it's a lot more religious. Okay. Whereas there doesn't seem to be a real point of astral projection, as far as I can see. It's just fun. You just zoom around, don't you? <laughs> It's kind of kind of cool. You can see stuff from different angles. I don't know. You can finally be tall. Yeah. I can look at myself and be like, oh, girl, pluck your eyebrow. <laughs> Honey. That pimple on your back. She needs some milk. Right. The body doing the traveling is otherwise known as the etheric body. And people believe that this body is tied to the physical body by a cord. It's called like the silver cord. Obviously, it's not a physical piece of rope, but more of sort of a spiritual, metaphorical cord. The etheric body is normally, but not always, described as being invisible. And if you can't imagine an instance of astral projection, one example is, well, can be argued to be a falling dream. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so some people I have believe all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that your etheric body has fallen and that's why you wake up like absolutely fucking shook. Why is mine so fucking clumsy? <laughs> I fall like at least once a week You're off a curb or something. You are a clumsy person though. True. It makes sense that you know, she would also be kinda messy. <laughs> yeah. That your soul is like, clumsy. Oh, there she goes again. <laughs> Watch where you're walking. <sighs> so yeah, it's arguable because some people don't believe that dreams are astral projection. Yeah, it's debatable, that's but, fair. Yeah. One of the first people to actually document astral projection properly was Emanuel Swedenborg. What a name. I know. He was born in 1688 and during his lifetime, he did a lot. His Wikipedia is an absolute troll, but he wrote The Heavenly Doctrine. Right. Heard of it or not, but... In this, he wrote that the Lord had opened his spiritual eyes, so he was able to visit heaven and hell whenever he wanted, and he could chat to angels, demons, and other spirits. So he was basically just astral travelling all the time. Obviously, it's a very Christian view of astral projection, but it's astral projection nonetheless. And many, many people believe that his travels were legitimate, one example of a believer is Helen Keller, who said in her book, My Religion, that she believed in Swedenborgianism and claimed she had astrally projected herself to Athens. Cool. Yeah. You might want to learn it in lockdown. Get you out of the house. 
get you out of the house. But not really. I'm going to the big Sainsbury's. <laughs> and I will not queue because I'm just my astral form. I'm Zooming in. Astrally projecting straight to Starbucks. <laughs> Try and stop me. <laughs> there hasn't really been enough or any really scientific research done on astral projection. Presumably because it would be very hard to measure and document and whatever. And also, there is no proof that it's actually real. So, fair. No one really knows for sure where you're traveling to because of this. So, some say they've been to heaven or hell. Others say they're experiencing the actual physical world around them, but just through the use of an etheric body. Some say that they go into like dream places. You know, there's. Yeah, I always kind of, um, when I started researching it, saw it as the real world but through different eyes I guess you know kind of like a ghost fair enough yeah but there's there's no telling so I suppose you could say that this accounts for our body experiences when people are like you know when you hear about an out-of-body experience and it's always I was awake during my surgery yeah, you know, or like I saw myself in a car accident or something. Yeah, I mean, the car accident one is a near-death experience. But say you went in for leg surgery and they put you under anaesthetic, you were asleep, but you were watching the whole thing. Is this why you fear surgery? I fear surgery for so many reasons. Okay, we won't get into that now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because you're not near death, I suppose it could be astral travel yeah sure just another accidental astral travel because i don't think many people are like counting back from 10 and they're like right now i'm on a rope pulling myself up yeah yeah i think if it's similar to lucid dreaming it's entirely possible that you can do it in both ways because you can lucid dream by accident and you can do it on purpose can't you you can train yourself to do it but plenty of the time that i've had lucid dreams i've not attempted to do it it's just kind of oh now i know i'm dreaming <laughs> you yeah know? so there are also experiences from brain stimulation treatments and hallucinogenic drugs that sound very similar to tales from astral projection however i personally don't think that it's the same thing there was a guy called robert todd carroll and he wrote they claim to have experienced being out of their bodies when they may have been out of their minds which kind of sums it up quite nicely. Because I feel like astral projection is more like, I guess the physical embodiment of a soul is separate. Yeah. Rather than your mind is tripping balls, you know? Yeah, I get that. Obviously, it's a pretty harsh way of putting it, but I think in order for your consciousness to be going on, these sort of astral journeys, I think you have to have a sober mind. Yes. Because, yeah, otherwise you're not credible, really. So, yeah, I think it's pretty hard to draw real lines with astral projection as well. So quite a lot of people think that you're projecting in every dream. Some people think it's only in lucid dreams, which is when you can control your dreams. We didn't describe that earlier, sorry. I always just kind of assume, but Yeah. yeah. And others think that dreams are something completely separate. I think I'm more inclined to believe that dreams are separate because if every dream were a projection, then surely every nightmare would be too. 
and I don't think I'm I'm ready for all of that to be real. That's fair enough. <laughs> I could talk about dreams for days. I love them, as you know, but yeah. there's just they're so fascinating and sometimes I have a dream and I'm like that has a meaning, you know? And yeah. sometimes I have a dream when I'm like, wow, my brain was doing some crazy stuff last night. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I have, I often have nightmares, but like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure on anything to do with dreams. I just know that sometimes you can feel when they are important. Sometimes they're more sort of self-reflective journeys. Definitely. Than like a dream. But yeah, like I don't think every dream is an astral projection because like no. You have dreams based on like TV shows or films or games or, you know, whatever. So it wouldn't be your other body traveling. It's just your mind making up a story. Yeah, I often have dreams that I'm in games that I've been playing. Yeah. If I play the Sims for 10 hours, I dream that I'm in the Sims. I don't know if I'm <laughs> going there. I don't know why I'd want to go there. Yeah, exactly. It's so chaotic. <laughs> We're there right now. Okay, so there are a bunch of ways to learn astral projection. Bob Monroe set out some steps to follow if you want to astral project. They are step one, relax both physically and mentally. Step two, enter a hypnagogic state. Step three, deepen the state by prioritizing mental sensation over physical sensation. Step four, pay attention to the presence of vibration in your environment, which becomes apparent in a state of deep attention. Step five, Incur the vibration in your physical body and relax into its presence. The purpose of this is to gently jiggle the subtle body out of the physical body. Step six, focus your thoughts on leaving the limbs and the torso and try and do so one at a time. Step seven, known as lifting out, focus on effortlessly drifting out of your physical body. So I have an issue <laughs> because of step two, really. The hypnagogic state or hypnagogic, I don't, yeah, refers to a state of consciousness during the onset of sleep. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's like the part when you have a weird dream where there's like an elephant in the room. Yeah, exactly. Literally. It can cause lucid dreaming, which is great, or sleep paralysis, which sucks. That's why I didn't do it, because yeah. I fear that so bad. <laughs> yeah, quick recap for those who missed the mini episode where we spoke to Megan about sleep paralysis. It's when you're aware of your surroundings, but your body's unable to move or speak. A lot of the time it feels as though like something is on you. People can see like demonic figures and faces, but obviously you can't defend yourself or, or you know, get out of there in any way because your body is like still asleep. Yeah, I can't remember if I discussed it in that episode either, but perhaps that is, you know, also maybe an astral sort of realm or something mm -hmm. because you can't move because you're not quite there but you also can see things kind of like in stranger things <laughs> where the the it's kind of on top of each other mm -hmm. like a sandwich yeah they're I happening at the same time well. but yeah maybe there's like that kind of vision maybe that's where you go when you project but you know there are sometimes bad things sometimes good things maybe there's a triple sandwich and you could go to either way i don't know just spilling ideas here just spilling <laughs> triple ideas. sandwich I'm hungry for you a heard big it sandwich. Here first. <laughs> like in Scooby Doo when they make the huge sandwich. It's like that. We're in the middle. Mm -hmm. I want to be at the olive on the top. Anyway, yes. Um, that is kind of where you don't want to be if you're trying to astral travel, astral project, whatever you're doing. It, sleep paralysis absolutely sucks. So Yeah, I definitely fear it. It's 
for some reason, one of my biggest fears, even though I know that it's not, nothing can really harm you. It's just horrible. Yeah. If you don't feel like following Bob, but still want to give astral projection a go, then Robert Bruce has a six-step method. This involves step one, relaxing the physical body by visualizing each muscle. Step two, from your space of relaxation, enter a vibrational state. This should feel like an amplified version of a cell phone's vibration mode, pulsation, coursing through the body. Step three, imagine a rope hanging above you. Step four, using the astral or subtle body, attempt to hold on to the rope with both hands. The physical body needs to remain completely relaxed. Step five, begin to climb the rope hand over hand, all the while visualizing reaching the ceiling above you. Step six, once you're aware of your full exit of the physical body, you are able to explore the astral plane. That's the one that I heard. Yeah. With the rope. I mean, they're both pretty similar. It's both relaxation. It's both vibrations. You know, it's both like moving the body inside of your physical body. Like, I feel like the rope just makes an easier visualization of it. Yeah, definitely. Or if you want an even easier program to follow, WikiHow has a method that interests you with nice images i should imagine (laughs) it does just seem to be a mixture of both of the above methods but i I don't think they've coined something new wouldn't it be great if they did and that was the (laughs) easiest step method wikihow's on it step one just do it (laughs) just grow up and do it (laughs) so now if you're like me you'll probably be wondering okay so sleep paralysis sucks but that can happen at any point you can You could go to bed tonight and have sleep paralysis. It's not astral related. It just can also happen then. But how dangerous is astral projection? Well, obviously, while you're on your astral travels, if someone came into your room and murdered your physical body, you can die. But you would die anyway. Yeah, you'd already be dead. Yeah. (laughs) However, some people believe that while you're traveling, there could be forces out there strong enough to cut the cord that connects your bodies. That's another thing that I was fearing as well. Yeah. Or like you can't somehow get back. You get lost or you can't I'll find. get there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. Also, there seems to be a general worry that if your soul isn't technically in your body because it's off on adventures, what's to stop something else taking up residence in your body? Your physical body. Yeah. Preventing you from re-entry. Well, the first one is just something you have to think about before you travel. Like... You need to see if you believe that there are those forces out there. If there are those forces out there, how can you make your area very safe, your mentality very safe and protect yourself, you know? Definitely. The second part is generally disregarded as something that could actually happen. This is because you're not actually truly absent from your body and you're still connected by the rope. So it's kind of like calling dibs on the body for when you're coming back. You know? Yeah, there's a sticky note on your forehead that says claimed. Yeah. (laughs) So um, another worry that's just a myth is the idea of getting lost on your way back to the physical body. I saw it described as, right, imagine you've gone on a month-long holiday and you're coming back. Would you forget where you lived? No, but what if I was going, like, what if I was going to Athens? First of all, how long is it going to take me to get there? I was like, well, what if I just don't know how to get back? Do I have Google Maps in this realm? 
What if I want to go to... Well, no, but the kind of idea is that it is just visualisation, isn't it? You're not actually physically there. So yeah. then if you visualise you your body, you know, if you visualise your home, your room, somewhere that you know well, you should be able to just pop back. Yeah. So, yeah. Other issues with astral projection are obsession. You can straight up just become obsessed with not being in your body anymore. I can totally see it. You never have to pay for travel. Go wherever you want, whenever you want to go there. Why would you want to go back to your physical body and work your nine to five? Definitely. <laughs> it's like being in a VR game. Yeah. Except way, be way better, way cooler, cheaper. No rules, really. Exactly. No and boundaries. I imagine if you're suffering from like physical or mental disabilities, it is a sort of fantastic escape. Really? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, big problem. But you have to look after your physical self as well. And if you think, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this because I have a very addictive personality, then just don't do it. You know? Why are you making faces at me? <laughs> because I do have a very addictive personality <laughs> and I want to do it. Well, but yeah. I won't. But, you know, or talk to someone as you're doing it. Just... I don't know, look after yourself, really. Yeah. Also, another problem is when people are not properly grounded when they astrally travel. So what this means is, so when you partake in astral travel, your body's going to try and shove your other self right back into the physical body. It's what it's used to. It doesn't want you going anywhere without it. So this doesn't cause massive issues, but apparently it can cause poor concentration, poor social interaction, interactions, and ankle pain or blistering. I already have that, so it's fine. <laughs> Some people also get super exhausted after they travel if they haven't prepared themselves enough, which I'm sure is fine if you're traveling in the evening, like before you actually need to go to sleep. But for example, in the WikiHow, it said that the best time to try it is when you've just woken up from your night sleep because you're still a bit sleepy, you're a bit groggy, but you can concentrate your mind to sort of stay active while your body is falling asleep. Obviously, if you're exhausted after that, you're just going to have a crap day. Would it be a crap day if you were zooming off, though? You'd be super exhausted, though. If you had to get up for, like, work, is what I mean. Yeah, maybe try it on a Sunday morning. <laughs> in general, though, the consensus is that you'll probably be fine if you decide to partake in astral projection. Just make sure to do your research and ground yourself as well as possible. Oh God, yeah, don't just willy-nilly do it because Kate said it, please. Yeah, please just don't follow my steps and go off somewhere. Sue the podcast for getting stuck in... For what? Athens, I don't know. If they're stuck in Athens, they're not going to be able to sue me. True. Right, I have done the scale today because it's not something that did just genuinely happen. So how scary do you think it is? Astral projection, I would say a three. Two and a half, actually, two and a half. Because I find it very fascinating. I would like to do it someday um, when I can trust that I will be okay to do it. Mm -hmm. But it does freak me out a little bit. I think the sleep paralysis part definitely scares me. The uncertainty of it. Just the overall concept. Like, I love... I love the idea of it and I obviously practice spirituality in general so it's kind of something that I've always wanted to do but yeah it does kind of just kind of freak me out so <laughs> straight in the middle 
Uh, danger. Like a like a one. Fair. Nothing bad can really happen. You just told me. <laughs> well, I mean, there is still the debate over whether something can cut that cord. Yeah, that does scare me definitely, but I I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, how likely do you think it is that astral projection is real? Oh, five. I totally believe in it. Why would people be making all this shit up? Fair. Lots of people say that they do it. Lots of people. For what? Why would you be making? Why would you be lying about that? You know, it seems kind of odd. I don't see why it, why it wouldn't be a thing. I definitely think that consciousness and body are two sort of separate planes, not separate planes, separate things kind of smushed together. So it would make sense to be able to like jiggle them about a bit. Fair. If you were good enough at that. Any other alternatives? Not really. <laughs> what other alternatives would there be for something like that? Well, like, it could just be um, straight up dreaming. Yeah, it could be dreaming. It could just be a myth, I guess, people just say. It could just be, like, hormones in your brain. True. What do you think of it? Do you believe in it? Do you think it's scary? Um, As a psychology person? I don't think it's very scary because I have nightmares anyway. So I'm not particularly asked about sleep paralysis. I don't enjoy it at all. But Have you had it? I had it once, yeah. Did we talk about this in the minisode? I don't yeah, I think we did. Remember. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I don't... Yeah, so I'm I'm not overly asked about that. And I think if I were going to do it, I would kind of make like a super safe space or whatever. Um, I'm kind of the same as you, really. I don't see why I wouldn't believe in it. But I don't think I believe in it in the sense that you can go to, like, heaven and hell. Oh, yeah, I don't believe in that. I do think it's definitely the same world, but you are just separate. I think maybe it could be, like I said, with the sandwiches... Oh God! No, you know what I mean. I think it could just be like a slightly different version of the world, but still the same place. Kind of like with no people there. Like when you dream, and your dream kind of makes up the people that you want to be there. For example, maybe it's just. It would be interesting to see. Like maybe I would try it before I went on holiday, and like I would travel to the place where I was going, and then when I got there, I would see how legit it was. You know. Because it's like the out of body experiences where they're like, yeah, I was totally aware of what was happening when I was on the surgical table, for example, quite a lot of the times. Because I did a module on out of body experiences and near death experiences and stuff. So, quite a lot of the time, they were wrong. Whatever they were saying had been said, hadn't been said. They described the wrong um, tools that were used on them. You know, they said that the wrong people were in the room with them. So they were sort of dreaming that they were having a very, they were having an out-body experience, but really they were just dreaming. Yeah, they used what they knew on surgery to kind of like imagine what was happening, I guess, but they were just dreaming. Yeah, that's a good idea for, uh, that is a good idea. I guess if you were thinking you were going to have to project, if you have to be in sort of a sleepy state anyway, you could just be lucid dreaming and get really good at lucid dreaming. Exactly, yeah. Because and then just be good at, you know, just be like, I'm going to dream I'm in my kitchen. And then you are in your kitchen, but you it's just a dream. Yeah, exactly. Like your your soul, if 
you know, that is a thing, hasn't gone anywhere, you're just asleep. Okay. Maybe push it down to a four then. I didn't think about that. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just, I just couldn't think of what else it could be. Do you know what I mean? I try and think of everything from different type of standpoints, but I just couldn't think of anything. But that would make sense. If you have to already be in that state, it would make sense that you just fall asleep. Yeah. And then maybe that just, instead of putting you into, you know, separating your astral body, it actually just makes you able to lucid dream. And then that's all you're doing. Well, yeah, doing. because you're focusing so much on, like, staying awake and being in control and stuff. It's like when you watch a film before bed, you probably dream about the film. It just happens because that's what you were thinking about. Yeah, you're thinking about, like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to McDonald's, for example. Mm. And then you lucid dream that you're at McDonald's. Like, maybe that's just... Exactly, like, you're probably not there. Your brain's just using all the information it has to be like, oh, yeah, th you are here, you know? Very interesting. Oh, love dreams. So cool. But yeah, no, dreaming and brain hormones is literally all I can think of. Because, like, not everyone that's had these experiences has been on drugs or has been drunk or, you know, has had, um, like, sort of schizophrenia, like hallucinations, delusions, that kind of thing. It's not like a mental illness type thing. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's very interesting. Thank you. Maybe we'll start a dream podcast. Maybe we won't. And I'll just tell you about my dreams. No, let's not. You've got some really weird dreams. Sometimes they're incredibly, incredibly vivid. <laughs> they're often very vivid, actually. Fair. I have just odd, odd dreams. But anyway, this isn't a dream podcast. I'm glad that you enjoyed my story. I enjoyed yours. Good. And don't listen before bed. Listen before bed. <laughs>